0: Hey John, uh, this was fantastic with Kelly Quinn, the throttle girl. Was. It was. was fun. Um, you said that you had learned some things about the Pan America or off-road riding. What did you learn?
1: Well, she referenced this thirty percent sag. Yeah. When someone sits on the motorcycle, so I thought that was a. I knew with adaptive ride height, but I hadn't ever heard anybody quantify the sag, regardless of your weight. Yeah. Two hundred and fifty pounds or a hundred and fifty pound person, it has a thirty percent sag.
0: Yeah, pretty interesting. Um, did, do you want to know what I learned? What. Well, that dragons exist.
1: That was was a good discussion, riding the dragon.
0: Kelly rides dragons, so they must exist. (laughs) Welcome to the
1: Behind the Bars podcast, where we discuss all things motorcycles, memories, and mayhem. Oh, this is awesome. Sponsored by Wilkins Harley-Davidson. Let's get this thing started. Here's John and Mark. On the line with us today, Kelly Quinn a.k.a. Throttle Girl, is a motorcycle touring adventurer, long-distance rider, endurance challenger, also an industry spokeswoman. Welcome, Kelly. How are you?
2: I'm doing fabulous this morning. It's bright and early out here on the Pacific Coast.
1: Kelly, where are you right now? We're, We're in Vermont, so where are you?
2: I am sitting in Truckee, California, which is the Lake Tahoe area.
1: And so you chose this time. First thing in the morning, right? I mean, you you chose it. We didn't.
2: <laughs> I know. You know what? I'm, I'm ambitious. I'm an early morning riser. I'm just waiting for the mate to catch up with, with my, my mouth, I guess, here. So we'll see how this rolls. But I am excited to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I know you're really busy. I know you're just getting back from all kinds of trips. You probably have another one planned. But uh, obviously, the reason we wanted to reach out, you've been uh, getting some seat time on the all-new Harley Davidson Pan America, right? I have. Okay, it's amazing. So, so we want to get into that in detail. And uh, Mark, Mark has uh, our listeners know this, but Mark writes like 20 pages of notes. He has like every question all laid out, ready to go. I don't have any questions laid out in advance, just because I like to listen to Kelly, and I just want to, I just want to hear what she has to say. So, um, Kelly, you just got back from Mark. did you want to say
0: something? Well, uh, Kelly, you're going to notice right away that John exaggerates quite a bit. I have one page of questions that maybe there's oh. six questions on.
1: You didn't find Kelly fascinating en- enough to no, have pages? No, I think pages? she's
0: very fascinating, but I, you said I had 20 pages of notes, which oh. is an exaggeration. Let's just be, you know. Well, you
1: did, though. You did tell me before we started recording. You were like you started talking like uh, about Kelly and, and all the things she's done. So, I mean, yeah, clearly I was... you've done a bunch of research on her.
0: Well, I, I did a, you know, I, I stalked her online a little okay. bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> we all do. We
1: all do. Well, it sounds
2: like you got a good jump start on, on a book I want to write. So maybe I can borrow <laughs> your notes if, if that's really the case.
1: <laughs> Kelly, you just got back from riding Pan America. Uh, where were you riding? How, tell Just walk us through how that even started. Like, how do, you, how do you get access to what right now may be one of the hottest motorcycles on the market? Like, how did you even get the opportunity to ride it for days like walk us through that process
2: oh goodness the stars aligned i uh you know found myself in the right place at the right time and just feel very very fortunate and in my ride along with the pan america it actually started as a prototype um i was invited to be with harley davidson or or i should say swing my leg over over this beast of an amazing motorcycle when it was just a prototype and uh, there was only 10, 10 working models of what this, you know, that the engineers were working with and, and developing. And uh, at that point in time, I got to be a part of the process then. And that was, goodness, maybe three years ago now. Um, so, yeah, so I went to the proving grounds and got to ride this prototype, the prototypes all over their, their property there. And it was just absolutely amazing. I knew at that point in time that Harley Davidson was on to something incredibly special. And, uh, you know, just to be along in the journey, fast forward to the U.S. press launch. I was invited to come back again and be a part of the, the media launch. Um, before the press came out, we did a bunch of scouting of the routes and and really put the thing through its paces and be a part of um, – the, the press assets, taking the pictures um, that the photojournalists would be given to add to their stories as, as they launched. And so that was the first time I had really gotten on the bike in its final production stage, and it absolutely blew my mind. Um, put about 550 miles on it um, those three days, and we were in the middle of the Mojave Desert, so we got to ride, goodness, everything um as as i said it was for the press junket so we wanted to develop route and and places where these people would be able to ride it in every condition and really put it to the test and we did just that it was very exciting i have to say right out of the gate that my favorite miles this bike is a beast on everything and in anything but my favorite miles are the off-road miles hands down
0: so kelly you ride ride off road and on road with the with the Pan America?
2: I do. I do. So just a little bit, you know, my background as such is I've been riding um, a Road Glide is my my staple go-to bike. And I do a lot of the long distance endurance riding iron butt style rides around the country and I just I I love touring and that's what I've done for the last decade of my life. I've probably about 140,000 miles out there on my, between my Road King and my Road Glide, and uh, yeah, so, but me as a personality and as a rider, I also have a lot more that I do. I I guide, um, I trek a lot, I have a skiing background, I love river play these days, and so I'm really a multi-sport adventurer, with my primary mode of transportation being the motorcycle, and so a few years ago, I was actually in South America playing. And I had always had this dream of riding the Pan America Highway from Ushuaia to Alaska. And I had been saying for years that I was going to do it in 2020. And uh, we all know how 2020 worked out for everybody. So that didn't happen. But I'm going to take it as a blessing in disguise. And, um, you know, it's now on top of my goal list again. But with that being said, I knew that I didn't want to do it on my road glide. And so. I ultimately jumped ship and started riding. I have a BMW 1200 in my garage as well, and started riding a bike that could get me to the places that I wanted to go. And then I ultimately started working for a company um, as a as a coach in training, a guide for an off-road training school that also uses this bike. Um, and so, anyway, I you know I found myself jumping ship. So when Harley came out with this adventure touring bike that could go off-road it just was a no-brainer for me because i've always been bar and shield girl i love the support that harley has all around the country um you know anything happens i'm within plus or minus 100 miles of being able to get the help at a dealer and that's important to me and uh, you know it just made sense and then like i said when i had a chance to get on it i just they, they're on something incredibly special and off-road this bike the pan america is more streamlined more balanced than its contenders in my personal um, opinion you know again as that girl crossing over from tarmac and from my road light, which is already a traditionally big bike you know it's not like it's a little sport which are amazing bikes as well but given the miles i log out there it's my road couch i call it um So already having a bigger, intimidating, air quote, bike out there, you know, when I walk up to some of these other bikes in the same class as the Pan America, there's just no way around it. They're they're tall, they're intimidating, they're heavy, and, um, you know, the scariest part on a lot of these IEDV bikes are from zero to five miles an hour, either starting or stopping. (laughs) Once you're going, you're fine, But, but the balance, again, of getting your feet down and, and this Pan America blows all that away, and 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 the balance of the bike when you're off road, anytime really. But when you're off road, it just becomes—I don't know how else to explain it except for the fact that it becomes an extension of you, and it's just it fits so incredibly well, so balanced.
1: So Kelly, what what uh, what do you think is the reason? I mean, I know you you've you rode the prototype, and you rode a a, a model was just released. Um, the production model in your estimation, what causes it to be so well-balanced versus its competitors?
2: You know, it's pretty amazing. The entire, um, when you look at a lot of the other bikes, I'm actually going to probably put my BMW next to my new Pan America um, and do a comparison video at some point to put out on my channels. But when you look at the two side by side, just the design of the frame, is completely different. They were able to get the weight ratio pretty far down on this bike. Um, the motor, everything about it, the chassis is different. Um, they were able, even even the tank, when you look at some of these other bikes in its class, the tanks are huge, and they sit rather tall. Harley Davidson was able to get the bike, everything lower. And it's, it's not traditionally. Um, Attached, these parts aren't traditionally attached the way they are on some of the other bikes. Even in the Harley-Davidson lineup, there's three different specific areas: there's a front, um, a front, and a mid, and a tail frame area. And just the 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 feats that the engineers came across trying to get it balanced and get its center of balance low. Um, It's got a 62. I think it's 62.2. I want to be exact. wheelbase, inch wheelbase, that just, it, that really sets up for an amazing touring ride, but it also handles just an amazing agile ride when you're off-road. So I think there's a bunch of different um, factors that go into that from an engineering standpoint that are above my pay grade to even get into, but but what they did do is, is they nailed it because it works. <laughs> Um, I actually did an interview on uh, ADV Moto Live. We did a YouTube video that people, if they're interested, can go jump over there and check that out at some point. I I don't know what episode that is. I should, but I don't. I'm sorry. But um, Matt, the two Matts from Harley-Davidson that I was with on the press launch were with me, and Matt Paradise in particular, and um, was the lead engineer on the project, the team lead. And so he goes into quite a lot of depth of just that, what they had to do to to establish that modern feat.
0: Kelly, I'm, I'm interested, when you decide to get off-road on your Pan America, um, where do you go? I mean, I know you're a beach girl. I've seen uh, your love of the beaches um, in Northern California, and I'm curious, can you ride the Pan America on a beach, or where do you go with it?
2: Oh, my goodness, where where can't you go? <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about this bike. I actually just ordered my knobby tires because I'll, I'll be putting those on and, and leaving those on most likely. But, yeah, there's, there's nowhere that you can't go. I do. I spend a lot of time on the northern California coast, have a project down there I'm working on. And, and there is amazing, amazing um, little off-road um, mountain. We actually call them our our escape routes, our evacuation routes um, for whatever it is off of the Highway 1 there. If you've in the Highway 1, you know that there, it, you go north and you go south, and then off of that you have to cut through some really dense redwoods, and there's a bunch of trails that you can take up through there. And, and so that'll be amazing. It'll be amazing to get it on a beach. Um, I live, I make my base camp here in the Lake Tahoe area in Truckee, California, and I could go out my driveway today and be lost in the woods to Oregon, if I want, um, it's it's amazing. And there's so many, there, you know, in the ADV world, um, there's some really cool things that have been ho- happening over the last decade. Where, you know, we've got this uh, contingency of BDR backcountry discovery route um, trails in each state. Not all of all of the states in the union, but um, you know, people had interest in checking that out and what it amounts to. They could go to BDR to the Backcountry Discovery Route website and it'll list the states that have these trails and it usually goes from one side of the state to the other and just gets people off of the, the road and gets people back into, you know, nature and into the dirt and they can be, they'll have sections on there that, which is for an advanced rider and then they'll have sections that are a little bit more um, user-friendly. So you can read these maps and trails and, and take it to what level you want it to be and there's the um continental divide trail um, there's so many different really cool recreationally driven trail systems that are now here in our country and then goodness gracious the world you know 90 percent of the, the world's roads are unpaved you know and i, I want to personally ride most of them so <laughs> it's uh it has a it has a lot a lot of advantages there's nothing no longer now i mean I, i've lost track of how many times i've crisscrossed the country and and re- rewriting some of the same roads, which I have my favorites out there, and, and I ride them over and over and over again. But now with this Pan America, you know, if there's a little dirt offshoot, I can look down that road, and and I can say I can go down there and find out what that's all about. I can go explore. I can go get lost on purpose if I want to. And uh, I could never do that with my road glide, especially as a solo female traveler. You know, I'm just going to say it as it is. I consider myself a, a Strong athletic woman, but even on that road glide, you know, I have to be real careful of where I go so I don't get myself in a situation that I can't get myself out. Yeah, right. So this Pan America takes all that away.
0: So, so Kelly, I'm interested. In, you know, when you're making the transition from from hard roads to uh, trails, how do you adjust how you ride? I mean. That's the interesting thing about this dual sport is that it's capable of riding both ways. How do you how does your perspective change when you roll off the tarmac and onto a dirt road or a dirt trail? How do you ride differently?
2: That's a really good point. And I, you know, I'm incredibly excited about the excitement of this bike and what what's been interesting in my journey on on my own personal one now as well as before is is it's just it's amazing to me such a vast interest in different demographics of people. And um and I think, you know, the excitement is amazing. People traditionally that were getting into the ADV market, you know, they knew that's what they wanted to do. And so, you know, a lot of times at these camps and different things and environments I've been in, people already come completely geared up and they they know what bike they think they want and they, you know, they've already spent a level of educating themselves to what what all this means so coming now into Harley launching this bike again while it's very exciting that so many different people and different style of riders are interested in it my number one thing if I could suggest to anybody is is educate yourself educate yourself to what it means to ride off-road you know probably one of the bigger differences between riding tarmac on a traditional Harley Davidson versus this new Pan America and getting it into the dirt, is your braking system? You know, you still have a, you still have your front brake, and you still have your rear brake. So nothing like that changes, but but how you do use them changes. And um, you know, if you need to learn how to use the tool you have in in the environment you're riding it in. So I would really highly suggest that people, before just, you know, thinking that they're going to get on this bike and peel off and everything's going to apply in the dirt, it, it doesn't. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about it, but it's also the thing that people need to have their, their heads up on and just learn. It's it, Just like anything else, you have to learn. It is, it's a different beast. Um, secondarily, I'd say, is posture. You know, um, I don't sit when I'm off-road. You know, I, I'm standing on my pegs because I'm I'm a lot more balanced that way. I call it riding my dragon. Um, you know, if I'm sitting, the dragon can ride me. Or if I'm standing on my foot pegs, I'm I'm the dragon master. And uh, then at that point in time, you know, I, I have a lot more balance to be able to handle whatever the road and the topography is going to give me. Um, I hit a rock, you know, I can... There's an there's a aspect of riding off-road, too, where you have to get real used to your front wheel doing its thing. Um, you know, I think on the road we're so used to controlling our bikes and really being very, um, I don't want to say gripping our handlebars, because I hope nobody's out there gripped when they're riding. You're supposed to be enjoying. It's supposed to be loose and free. But at the same time, when you are on off-road, you are not gripping your handlebars. In fact, I'm only keeping a couple fingers on there, and I'm allowing the wheel to track, and I'm allowing this thing to move, and just keeping on the throttle and keeping speed as your friend in some cases, and keeping like the momentum going through stuff, and it's going to straighten itself out. But the number one thing besides braking that I see a lot of people have a little bit of an adjustment time to is is when that wheel maybe you know goes to the right or left coming from the road most people's first initial reaction is to grab it and correct and that's gonna that could that could lead to to all bad and you don't want to do that so so again it's educating like there's so many great schools all across this country um even with the the air that we live in on youtube there's some great people out there doing some great um online stuff, teaching skills, and if people have the wherewithal and they really want to get into the backcountry and enjoy what this bike is capable of in that regard, um, I would highly suggest that, that people take a training class. You know, again, I work um, for Rawhide Adventures, and, and and there's always classes going on, uh, whether it be in California or Southern California, and again, there, there's more than just Rawhide out there. There's a, there's a lot of them, so I hope people... People really take the seed
1: of please educate yourself. And to to that point, Kelly, I think also the gear, right? I mean, I think uh, gear becomes that much more important. I know um, we took a course out here in the Northeast and uh, a confession on my end that'll that'll sound silly, but we showed up with my standard cowboy boots to go ride on adventure bikes for the day. And uh, they laughed when I showed up. And said, "You got any other boots?" And I said, "No, that that's all I have." And they said, "Well, it's going to be uncomfortable." And and literally getting done the day realized I'll never ever wear anything other than the adventure boots that that uh that are that were recommended to me, just because you're standing on those pegs and you just can't stand on pegs with anything else that doesn't have a firm um, you know base to it. Um, but I think that's that's new for Harley riders. We're we're used to being able to throw on the basics um and the gear really becomes really really important would you would you agree with that
2: oh without a doubt you know you you i want to see a picture of those cowboy boots on the adv bike yeah i really do yeah they actually took video
1: <laughs> they took video and uh they posted it i think on their site and, and a lot of adventure riders commented it was really uh it was a highlight of my day. They have all those comments. So is
0: that where those boots went? Because you don't have those mm. boots anymore.
1: I have different boots now, but <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, you know, you, you you nailed it. You know, so my journey personally, like when I first started riding, I was like half helmet girl, with, you know, my tank top and my jeans, and you know, it, and over the course of my my period and time of riding, the more the more I got proactive in. Um, wearing proper riding gear, if you will, and what's proper, right? But still, at the same time, for the level of endurance stuff I was doing out there and everything, um, I actually totaled, I hate to even say this, I was doing a long-distance endurance ride, 10,000 miles in 10 days, and I totaled uh, my bike, a, a bike I was riding at the time during that run, and it was the very first time I had ever worn proper production um, proper protection and when I say this, like Tour Master and Helmet House, little Richard there, he, he had reached out to me and he said, hey, we'd, we'd like to provide you some gear. Would you wear it? And he was my angel. Wow. What? Because that was the very first event. Like I said, I had worn it. And when I put that bike down, the side of my gear, like I walked away, not even a scrape, a couple bruises, but not even a scrape. And I look at the side of my gear, and that made me a believer.
1: Yeah. So from
2: that day forward, I I started wearing that, I've gone to the full, I've been stung enough in my helmet and everything else, I wear a full face now, and so long story short, when it went over into the ADV space, um, it wasn't that hard of a transition for me. For the last several years, I've written for a company uh, called Climb, which is huge in this space, and in my personal opinion, they make the best product out there, and they're just a great company to work with, and I back them. So anyway, so I was already wearing all the gear previously, but you do like these ADV suits. A lot of them are made, um, you know, the touring ones particularly are made out of Gore-Tex too, which also from an endurance riding standpoint, I didn't have to stop at the side of the road and rain suit up anymore. I, I, I was I had, I was on the clock. I could keep going in Gore-Tex. It was great. So it, so it worked real well for me there. But they have hip pads and they have a back... spine protection, shoulder pads, knee pads. Um, It just gives you all the protection where you want it. You can even go above and beyond with that. Some people are wearing um, external like neck braces and just depending on what your comfort level is and really what, what are you doing? Are you really doing, are you doing off-road? Are you doing some kind of I don't know, I'm trying to think of a, of a run in particular that I could give somebody an example for. But let's just say you're doing some kind of a single track trail where typically a, a 450 and your dirt bikes are out there and, and you're taking this 1250 to its, to its limit, rock crawling. and You're going to want more protection. If you are out on the road and you're using this as your touring bike, but you're going to get off on the occasional Forest Service road you know, there's different levels of protection for sure. what it is the rider wants to do. Yeah. And uh, boots, though, you mentioned your boots, and and ultimately, at the end of the day, I personally feel that in this space, if if you were to invest in any one piece of equipment, the importance of your boots mm-hmm. is incredibly, incredibly important. Having the proper support, and obviously, you're going to spend more for for proper ones, um, but you, uh, it's worth its weight in gold. That—that That is a very, very common injury. Um, ankles, tip-tips, um, there's things called dapping when you come around a corner. And, and and honestly, especially for the crossover person, you know, I don't have, we don't have a database for this or anything else to, to prove this to be true per se, but I know in my experience in camps and stuff that, a lot of people want to catch themselves when these bikes go down because it's inherent. There's, there's a lot of things that are so ingrained from the traditional rider, like dirt, bad, gravel, bad, drop your bike, bad. Well, we ha- you have to get rid of all of that. Mm-hmm. And the more miles you have, <laughs> the harder it is to get that, get that out of your head. But, but this part, this sector, if you are truly riding off-road and you're out there, you know, it's like telling a whitewater kayaker not to roll their boat. it's, it's just going to happen. It's part of the game. It's part of what you do. So you do not want to catch the bike. You get out of its way. It's, it's made to take a hit. It's made to be dropped. Um, so there's all that. So so yeah, boots, boots are super important. Super important. Know what you want to ride and find the gear that fits what you want to ride.
1: Kelly, I know, um, we're, we're already at like 26 minutes. So this has gone by super quick. One last question for you. Uh, Aside from the balance of the Pan America, what would you say is your favorite feature or attribute about the all new Pan America?
2: Oh my God, I could talk another thirty minutes on this alone. Uh- <laughs> only one. Um, you can
1: pick one. What's your favorite?
2: Only one. Um, if I had to say only one, besides the modes, <laughs> besides the hill hold, I would go with the adaptive ride, uh, adaptive ride height. I think it's a game changer.
1: What What about uh, it? Tell uh, for the for the listeners that don't know what adaptive ride height is, which Mark probably doesn't know what it is. I know either. what
0: adaptive ride height is.
1: Go ahead, Kelly.
2: <laughs> adaptive ride height is uh, it's new technology. It's new, never been done. So for Harley to come out of the gate and not only be a contender in the class, but prove to be freaking coming after heads, <laughs> essentially with with its performance. This has never been done. No other bike has done it. So, essentially, the bike um, at its stationary position. When a rider gets on it, when a rider loads it up, no matter the difference in size or frame or anything else, this Pan America adjusts to the weight on it and creates a 30% sag. So that's traditional across the board for this this bike. So. Again, whether I get on it or a 250-pound man gets on it, the bike is going to adjust to that sag. Well, then adaptive ride height comes in, and adaptive ride height will adjust the the travel one to two inches um, from a stop position to a go position, essentially. So if I'm vertically challenged, um, I get on this bike in the in its in its stopped position, I'm going to be one to two inches lower than it would be at its stock position. As soon as I take off, as soon as I hit the throttle, and I start getting forward momentum, the bike adjusts, it raises, and goes to its travel height. Again, when I, go to a, when I come to a stop, when the bike senses the braking, and I'm coming to a stop, initiate, uh, hit the brake, the bike comes down once I'm at a stop, so my feet are back down on the ground. And the coolest thing about this bike, um, or the adaptive ride height anyway, too, is it can be adjusted. So, for instance, if I'm, if I'm just cruising to and fro and I'm hitting stoplights and stuff, I can adjust it to where it, it does this immediately on response. But if I'm in the backcountry, I might not want this adaptive ride height to kick in right away because if I have to do a trail stop and it happens to be on rocks, I might not want it to come come down on that, so I'm going to set it to a delay. Or there's even an option where there's times I might find myself in a position I don't want it to come down at all, and and so I can also turn it off. And so to give the rider the custom, you know, the entire bike is so customizable. It's it's, it's insane to me. But this bike fits every rider given the uh, the adaptive ride height technology. And I. I personally think it's going to be a game changer. I've actually had to use it on a hillside where I was, it's not what it was built for, but it actually helped me. I pumped up the bike and it helped me actually give me better leverage that much two inches higher in a tight position to be able to get the the bike back up and continue on, which, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I I personally think it's probably the biggest game changer on the bike. But I could go on for another hour if you
1: wanted me to. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. Kelly. I know you're. Uh, I know you're busy. You just got back from a from a bunch of trips. We value your time. Um, we just want to thank you for carving out uh, what's now thirty minutes of of your day to visit with us on this stuff. We'd love to follow up down the road, maybe after you do some um, some other um, some other adventures on Pan America, if that would be okay and. Uh, but we just want to appreciate your time. I really do appreciate that, and we look forward to this visit. And and for our listeners out there, uh, this was this took quite some time to get Kelly because she is just so busy. She is literally always on the motorcycle, so it was tough to find her uh, a down day. So I'm 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 sh- I'm shocked that you actually are taking a day to just kind of kind of lay low.
2: So- <laughs> I'm trying. I got to catch up on, 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 real life stuff every now and again. <laughs> so, so, so. <laughs> Darn it. But thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And I'd love to come back. I, I would. And, and uh, you guys are doing a great service out there. And thank you for, for, for having one of the, the best dealers that I know up there in, in the, the upper Northeast corner. I can't wait to swing by and visit you guys in person.
0: Kelly, just, if people want to um, follow you and find more information about you and what you're doing, where do they, where should they go?
2: Um, they can find me on Instagram, at Throttle Girl, as well as on Facebook. Same thing, just Google, open the search bar, Throttle Girl, and I'll pop up, and I'll be there, and I'd love to see people over there. It'll also be found on YouTube, um, and my website is ThrottleGirl.net.
0: Awesome. Thank She's, you for, for for being with us today, Kelly.
1: Inspirational person. Kelly, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. You guys ride safe, and I want to hear your full reports on the Pan-America when you get
1: it. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Bars podcast, sponsored by Wilkins Harley-Davidson. Stay tuned for our next exciting podcast. Check out additional information on WilkinsHarley.com.